Welcome to the Dr. Dez Says It's All Your Immunity podcast. Why do vaccines take so long to make? Part 2. The Process to Approval In this age of the worldwide pandemic caused by COVID-19, you may be asking yourself, when is a vaccine going to come? The current system for developing, testing, and regulating vaccines developed during the 20th century as the groups involved standardized their procedures and regulations. So, one of the answers to the question, why do vaccines take so long to make, actually lies in the process of making and developing vaccines. In this episode, we'll explore this process and how it dovetails and builds on the pioneering work of Dr. Francis Kelsey and the regulation of drug approval explored in part one of this series. Vaccine development is a long, complex process, often lasting 10 to 15 years and involving a combination of public and private funding. In fact, to date, the vaccine that took the shortest amount of time from development to market, four years to be exact, was the measles vaccine. Let's take a look at government oversight and its history in the United States. At the end of the 20th century, several vaccines for humans had been developed. They were smallpox, rabies, plague, cholera, and typhoid vaccines. However, no set standard or regulation of vaccine production existed. On July 1, 1902, the U.S. Congress passed, quote, an act to regulate the sale of viruses, serums, toxins, and analogous products, end quote, later referred to as the Biologics Control Act. This act was the first federal law to control the quality of drugs. The law was initiated as part of a response to two 1901 tetanus outbreaks in St. Louis, Missouri and Camden, New Jersey, involving unregulated and widely distributed biologics. The St. Louis incident stemmed from a contaminated diphtheria antitoxin made from inadequate manufacturing processes. Meanwhile, the Camden incident was from a contaminated smallpox vaccine. Both raised public concern about pharmaceutical safety. The law also created the Hygienic Laboratory of the United States Public Health Service to oversee manufacture of biological-based drugs. Therefore, the federal government of the U.S. was asserting its right to control the establishments where vaccines were made. As a result, 
It created the Hygienic Laboratory, which eventually became the National Institutes of Health, or NIH. The United States Public Service Act of 1944 mandated that the federal government issue licenses for biological products, including vaccines. After the Cutter Laboratory incident involving polio virus vaccine in 1954, the Divisions of Biologics Standards was formed to oversee vaccine safety and regulation. In the Cutter case, the manufacturer, Cutter Laboratories distributed a vaccine containing live polio virus that infected at least 220,000 people. Of those people, 100,000 were children, 70,000 developed muscle weakness, 164 were severely paralyzed, and 10 died. The causes of this incident were many. They included the use of a highly virulent strain of virus, deficiencies in the inactivation of the vaccine virus, inadequate safety tests, and poor communication with other scientists and the government. However, Cutter Laboratories was doing all that the licensing authority required of it. Later, the Division of Biologic Standards was renamed the Bureau of Biologics, which later became part of the Food and Drug Administration. It is now known as the Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research, or CBER. Outside of the United States, the European Union's European Medicines Agency supervises regulation of vaccines and other drugs. The World Health Organization makes recommendations for biological products used internationally, and many countries have adopted the World Health Organization's standards as their own. Now that we are clear about the agencies that set the standards, let's look at the stages of vaccine development and testing. In the U.S., vaccine development and testing follow a set standard. Regulation and oversight increase as the candidate vaccine makes its way through the process, adding time for the biologic to come to market. The first step in the process begins in the laboratory, or what scientists call the benchwork. This stage involves basic laboratory research and often lasts several years. Academic, private sector, and government scientists identify the antigens that mark a disease and might be part of its treatment against that disease. These antigens include virus particles, weakened or attenuated viruses, bacteria, weakened bacterial toxins, or other substances that are on pathogens. Next comes the preclinical stage. 
The preclinical stage often lasts one to two years and usually involves researchers in the private industry. The process is usually referred to as process development or research and development or R&D. Preclinical studies begin to assess the efficacy and safety of the drug candidate. Scientists do this by using tissue culture, which is another name for human cell lines, which would be exemplified by the immortal HeLa cells, named for Henrietta Lacks. Or they use cell culture, which is another name for animal cells, like Cho cells, which are Chinese hamster ovary cells. They use tissue culture or cell culture to evaluate a vaccine's immunogenicity or its ability to provoke an immune response. Then live animal testing is used to assess both immunogenicity and safety of the candidate vaccine. These subjects can include mice, rats, chimps, and monkeys, depending on the type of drug candidate being tested and the system of the human body being affected. These studies give researchers an idea of the cellular responses they might expect in humans. They may also suggest a safe starting dose for the next phase of research as well as a safe method of administering the vaccine. Researchers may adapt the candidate vaccine during the preclinical state to try to make it more effective and make it a better candidate for scale-up processes that begin in the next phase. They may also do challenge studies with the live animals, meaning that They vaccinate the animals and then try to infect them with the target pathogen. Many candidate vaccines, though, never progress beyond this stage because they fail to produce the desired immune response. The next step after a successful preclinical stage is an IND application. A sponsor usually a private company, submits an application for an investigational new drug, or an IND, to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. The sponsor describes the manufacturing and testing processes, summarizes the laboratory reports, and explains the proposed study. A review board representing an institution where the clinical trial will be conducted must approve the clinical protocol. From that point on, the FDA has 30 days to approve the application. If the application has been approved, the vaccine undergoes three phases of testing named Phases 1, 2, and 3 vaccine trials. Now we will look at the clinical studies that include human subjects. The goals of phase one are to test the safety of the candidate vaccine 
and to establish the type and extent of the immune response that the vaccine produces. In a small minority of Phase I vaccine trials, researchers may use the challenge model attempting to infect participants with the pathogen after the experimental group has been vaccinated. The participants in these studies are carefully monitored and conditions are carefully controlled. In some cases, an attenuated or chemically weakened version of the pathogen is used for the challenge. The first trial is a small group of adults, usually between 20 and 80 subjects. If the vaccine is intended for children, researchers will first test adults then gradually lower the age of the test subjects until they reach the vaccine's target age. Phase 1 trials may be non-blinded, meaning that researchers and subjects know whether a vaccine or a placebo is used. After a successful Phase 1 trial, the vaccine candidate will go to the next trial. A larger group of approximately 300 individuals participate in Phase 2 trials. Some of the individuals may belong to the groups at risk of acquiring the disease. The trials are randomized and well-controlled and include a placebo group. A randomized study means the participants are divided by chance into separate groups that compare the candidate vaccine with different treatments or the placebo. Using chance to divide people into groups means that the groups will be similar and that the effects of the treatments they receive, either the candidate vaccine or the placebo, can be compared more fairly. The goals of phase two testing are to study the candidate vaccine's safety immunogenicity, proposed doses, schedules of immunizations, and method of delivery. Successful Phase two candidate vaccines move on to larger trials involving thousands to tens of thousands of people. These Phase three tests are randomized and double-blind, and involved the experimental vaccine being tested against a placebo. The placebo may be a saline solution, a vaccine for another disease, or some other substance. In a double-blind trial, the trial participant nor their doctor knows if the participant is receiving the vaccine candidate, a standard treatment, or a placebo. Only those directing this study know for sure the treatment that each participant receives. Double-blind studies are intended to prevent bias when doctors evaluate patients' outcomes. This improves reliability of the clinical results. One phase three goal is to assess vaccine safety in a large group of people. Certain rare side effects might not surface in the smaller groups of subjects tested in earlier phases. For example, 
Suppose an adverse event related to a candidate vaccine might occur in one out of every 10,000 people. To detect a significant difference for a low-frequency event, like one out of every 10,000 people, the trial would have to include 60,000 subjects, half of them in the control group or the group with no vaccine. Vaccine efficacy is tested as well. Those that conduct the study will often ask pointed questions. For example, does the candidate vaccine prevent disease? Does it prevent infection with the pathogen? Does it lead to production of antibodies or other types of immune responses related to the pathogen? If those questions can be answered, to the satisfaction of those conducting the studies, then the next step is the licensure and approval processes. After a successful phase 3 trial, the vaccine developer will submit a Biologics License Application, or BLA, to the Food and Drug Administration. Then the Food and Drug Administration will inspect the factory where the vaccine will be made and approve the labeling of the vaccine. After licensure, the FDA will continue to monitor the production of the vaccine, including inspecting facilities and reviewing the manufacturer's test of the vaccines for potency, safety, and purity. The FDA also reserves the right to conduct its own testing of the manufacturer's vaccines. So at this point, you may be asking, have the vaccine manufacturers sped up the time it takes for a vaccine against COVID-19 to get wide distribution? The answer is yes. The time frame is shorter, but in these cases, it's not necessarily due to the cutting of critical steps. The shortened time frame is caused by the technologies that have revolutionized vaccine development in the last 25 years. We will look at these changes as they relate to COVID-19. We will also look at how vaccines were made in the past and currently, and we will look at the implications of future vaccines. In the third part of our series, Why Do Vaccines Take So Long to Make? Part 3, The Type Determines the Time. This is Dr. Desiree Barrett or Dr. Des to those that follow me on the YouTube channel. It's All Your Immunity with Dr. Des and at Twitter at Dr. Des Says One. And as always, I wish you health and some food for thought. And remember, Dr. Des says it's all your immunity.